0: That's not Christmas music. No, I no, know what happened. This there's is last no, no, is last minute show. I there's no jingle. Have, I, I, there's I, no have. jingle. Just shake something. Jingle, jingle.
1: Hey, y'all! Welcome to Cross Politic. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox. I'm the Water Boy. Uh, make sure this is come down to the to the wire here. Make sure you guys, if you guys buy a club subscription or magazine, that you email contact the FightLifeFeast.com and we'll send you a, a gift card for your friends. Also, right. how can they your get mother, And uh, those uh, who sign up for silver membership or above will get one of these fantastic Fight, Laugh, Feast tumblers.
0: Somebody's asked me. I got to bring it up. What's this? What if you're already a silver Fight, Laugh, Feast club member and you really want one? You got to upgrade?
1: You got upgrade, you gotta upgrade. What? If if they really want one and they like they us, really, you know what I'm really, saying?
0: Really you want saying? one, really like us. Email Gabe, waterboy at crosspolitik.com. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: um with us on the line right now, we're so grateful to have Ms. Margot Cleveland, senior yes. contributor to the Federalist uh she's also served nearly 25 years as permanent law clerk to a federal appellate judge on the seventh circuit court
1: i got some questions
2: for you Is a former full-time faculty member and adjunct instructor is also probably at the very this is the very top of her credentials stay at home and homeschooling mom winning uh margo thanks for joining us on cross politic
3: Thanks
2: for having me. So uh, we reached out because we uh, really appreciated an article. Actually, you've written a couple now on the recent Texas lawsuit uh, before the Supreme Court and um, on the election fraud allegations. And so I wanted to just uh, first off, maybe back up, zoom out a little bit. And if you could help our audience understand what did the Texas suit, what was it actually trying to do?
3: Sure. So the Texas suit was against four specific states, Pennsylvania. Wisconsin, Michigan, and Georgia. And Texas was claiming that those four states violated three different aspects of the United States Constitution and was asking the court to declare that the electors that were determined by those states were invalid and to require the state legislative body to again name electors. So one of the things that I think is important for people to know is Texas was not saying who won, who wins the election. Texas was not saying who the Wisconsin electoral candidates going and voting in the Electoral College had to vote for. It was merely saying we want the states to follow the Constitution. And the Constitution says it is the legislative body of the state that determines who the electors are to vote for the who will be the president, mm-hmm. that they do so in a way that does do not treat citizens differently, so it doesn't violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution, mm-hmm. and that does not have concerns of overwhelming fraud and violate the Due Process Clause. Mm-hmm. So that's what Texas was doing. And one of the things that also is rather interesting is that this case started in the Supreme Court. So typically cases go through a court system where they start at a low level, a trial level, they go to an appellate level, and then the US Supreme Court. But we have something unique here when it's one state suing another state. So that's called exclusive and original jurisdiction, meaning the U.S. Supreme Court is the only court that actually has the power to hear that case. So that was filed, but Supreme Court has a kind of a strange rule. If you think about it, they're the only ones who can hear the case, but the Supreme Court has also said, we have to give you permission to file the case. So that's what Texas was actually doing from a procedural standpoint.
2: Okay. And then we get a hearing, we get a ruling, a one page ruling on on Friday afternoon, um, Mm -hmm. which said what? No.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So again, the Supreme court had to authorize Texas, give them permission to file the complaint against the four States. And the Supreme court in a very short order said, that we are denying your motion to file this complaint because there is no judicially cognizable interest, meaning that the court does not see an interest that you, Texas, have. Mm -hmm. In other words, you don't have what is called Article 3 standing. Mm -hmm. And they said that in the order. And again, this is kind of going us back to civics. And one of the things I love about this is it forces Americans to actually realize we have a constitution that tells us how to do things. And Article 3 governs what the judicial branch can do. And it says that they can decide cases and controversies. So that language is actually there, that they have the authority to decide cases Mm -hmm. and controversies which means there has to actually be a dispute. And the parties standing before the court have to have an interest in the dispute. Uh So that's what seven of the Supreme Court justices said. It was a short order. It wasn't signed. So we don't know who wrote it. My gut would be that There was a lot of different views, and they were very specific in their language Mm -hmm. to make sure that it wasn't saying more than anyone felt comfortable with, Mm -hmm. and that they were really trying to make it a unanimous decision Mm or a a unanimous statement. So that's what the court said. We had Justice Alito, who wrote a separate statement, and along with him, Justice Thomas concurred and said, yes, I agree. And his statement said, we think that the Supreme Court must hear complaints right. between states. They can't just throw it out and say, no, nope, we don't think it's significant. Then they said, but we would not issue any relief in this case, any further relief. And we're not telling you, we're not saying anything about the merits beyond that. So from that, we don't know what their views were on standing. We don't know what their views were on the merits. We actually don't know what most of the judges justices thought on the case because of the short and abbreviated dismissal order. Mm
2: -hmm. So um, in your, I think it's a follow-up article um, today. um, uh, you, You said that you're not really sure that, um, granting um, this this initial petition to file would have mattered in the long term because you think constitutionally they probably still wouldn't have been granted a standing. Is that... Is that-
3: well, it wouldn't have mattered based on what the seven justices said okay. because the seven justices said there's no standing. So had the seven justices said, yes, you can file this complaint, then they would have immediately turned around and dismissed the complaint and said... You don't have standing to bring the complaint.
2: I see. So, so- I
3: don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know what the answer is. Okay. And that's what troubled me is I'm kind of the the moderate in this debate. I'm on the right, it's there was fraud everywhere. They're violating the constitution. And right. on the left, it's like, you idiots, conspiracy, <laughs> tinfoil hat folks, yeah. you just want to overturn the election. Right. right. And I'm sitting here and I I see a real constitutional issue and nobody is really digging into it. And I really wish the Supreme Court would have. They're much smarter than I am. I look at it and I say, you know, in Bush v. Gore, Justice, I'm sorry, Justice Rehnquist had a really solid concurrence. And he looked at this electoral clause and he said, the state legislative body has to decide who the electors are. And you can't have a state court overriding that. You can't have administrative people coming and overriding it. And that made perfect sense. And yet I see that happened in Pennsylvania. I see that that happened in Michigan. I see that that happened in Wisconsin. So I want someone to tell me why that's not a violation of the Electors Clause. Yeah. Why the state doesn't really have standing? The Supreme Court didn't say; they just said they don't.
1: Mm-hmm. When, when you said um, that the states had administrators overriding uh, uh, election sure. um, law, g- election law. Give me, like, specifically, sure. what are you referring to there?
3: So in Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania election code that the state legislative body had put together said you cannot inspect ballots before the morning of election day. And I likened to, in one of my pieces, to an earlier piece where not many people have actually picked up on this, but the state, I think it was the deputy secretary of state, mm-hmm. which handles elections issue guidance. And it said that you can pass this information on. So once you've determined that somebody has violated the law, you can tell third parties about it. And then they were going out and calling people. So I actually need to add another component to that, yeah. that you can't share information about the elections was a part of the, the code. Okay. Pennsylvania had a rule that naked ballots, are invalid, and And naked ballot was a ballot that was just stuck in an envelope. So in Pennsylvania, you had to put a ballot inside of a sleeve, a secrecy sleeve, mm-hmm. and then you put it in an outside envelope and mailed it. If you look at the piece that I wrote, I have on the ground from an election official saying, we don't know if it's a naked ballot until we open those on election day. But how, bigger, Counties in Pennsylvania, where Philadelphia was, they had machines and equipment that were sorting these and weighing them to figure out if there were naked ballots, because the weight would differ depending Mm -hmm. on which Mm -hmm. ones. Sure. Then they provided the information to third party activists who were Democrats and they were contacting voters and saying, go in and do a new ballot, which is another problem. Michigan, I'm sorry, Pennsylvania law doesn't allow curing. Right. Go to Michigan. The allegation was that they weren't checking signatures. Michigan, in their response, and I read Texas's brief. I read the four defense briefs. I read several of the Mika's briefs. So I, I went through this as a lawyer saying, OK, what's the answer here? Right. Michigan came back and said, Oh, no, we check signatures elsewhere. That may well be true. But Michigan's law by its legislative body also said, when it's checked, there has to be a stamp and a signature. And the people who were at the Detroit center said, they didn't have those stamps on there, there were no signatures. Third example, and this just came out today, Wisconsin has a rule that you can request an absentee ballot. And to do so, you have to present a photo ID like a driver's license. Mm -hmm. There's an exception if you are indefinitely confined. Before the election, local officials, later ratified by a higher up in the state, said everybody's indefinitely confined because of the COVID stay-at-home order. That was trumping the state rule established by the state legislature. And, And just today, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said that's true. But you know what? They didn't have a remedy for Trump or for those who were disenfranchised. And this is something people have to keep in mind. When you follow the rules and you vote, when the government or people supposedly acting on behalf of the government count illegal votes, you're being disenfranchised. Right, right. So those are some examples where, I mean, I see a legitimate complaint. I'm not talking about was there vote swapping? Did somebody from Venezuela do something to the system? Right. I don't know any of that. Yeah. I'm just talking about the specific legal issue. And I want someone to tell me, was Rehnquist right? Was he wrong? Where does this fit? And the Supreme Court really just ignored the issue they could have, I understand they don't want to feel like they're meddling but a large percentage of americans are concerned about the integrity and we're not talking about uninformed americans we're talking about americans who are educating themselves know about the electors clause know about Rehnquist's concurrence and want to know why is the supreme court ignoring the constitution maybe they have a good reason to say that isn't a violation but If I look at it and can't figure out the answer and I'm not convinced and I'm concerned, other people are as well. Mm -hmm. They should have done what they did if that was what they were going to do and said an opinion will follow to give them time so that we would know what the reasoning is. Mm -hmm. Then I can say I agree with it, I disagree with it, why? But we don't have any reasoning behind the lack of standing.
2: Is there is there any follow up to this? I mean, I know for yeah. I know for states. I mean, I, I know Supreme Court has original jurisdiction for states. Is there any other uh, recourse for citizens? You know, like yourself or others who see this? Um, can this same uh, concern be taken up by lower courts in, in sort of the traditional ap- appellate uh, way?
3: Absolutely, and that's possibly what was motivating the Supreme Court that there are issues of what are called prudential standing, but. That's not Article Three, which makes me think maybe that's not what they were getting at. Okay. But we already have those cases going on. So we have one in Pennsylvania, we have one in Michigan, we have one in Wisconsin, Arizona, uh, I think Arizona, uh, I think Nevada's got something going on. We have Georgia as well. So those same issues can be arising, are arising elsewhere. I just don't have the bandwidth to know what every single state is doing. Right. And then there's also the other component and. I also kind of was complaining about this when all of a sudden all these states jumped on the bandwagon with Texas and especially the state legislators, they were saying, Oh yeah, we agree with Texas Supreme court, you know, toss it up. Like, Why the heck are you pointing to the Supreme court? Do your job. Right. Ooh, if Ooh. you are a state elector, you can call it in session and say, we don't think that this election was legal and we are going to assign our electors or not assign our electors. Mm-hmm. And this, this is the other part where I kind of see myself as a moderate. I don't see this as giving the election to Trump. It might be that the state says we messed up. We're not sending any electors. And if none go, you kick them out. And the majority Biden will probably still win that way. Sure. But I want a constitutional election. I want a legitimate one. And that would legitimize it if the state legislatures jumped in. And frankly, they're they're just taking the easy way. Politicians don't want to make the hard decisions as much as they can. Mm. So they're putting it to the Supreme Court. Mm. And you know what? You have as much, if not more, authority and power to be doing it.
1: Wow. Why has it been so hard for Trump uh, and his campaign to prove – Like actual fraud, like uh, you know, or communicated
0: with. I mean, the last fifteen minutes you've communicated this clearly than I've heard, right? Almost anywhere. (laughs) anywhere.
1: Why? Why am I not seeing the math?
3: Sure. So there are two things to keep in mind, and I actually have another article on this one. Is that you've got fraud, but you also have violations of the election code, and illegal voting. They're two totally different things. It's not fraud if they ignore the signatures. It's fraud if you're stuffing the ballot box. Uh The fraud is hard to prove. The ballots are tossed in there. You don't know. Fraud is hard to prove. Uh The illegality of it is not as hard to prove. But what you have is the sense from the public that We don't want to disenfranchise parties, people, by being nitpicky. The legislative body put those rules in place to prevent fraud. If we can't prove fraud, then we need to make sure that those rules are lived up to by the T. And you're not disenfranchising people who don't follow the rules. You're disenfranchising those who follow the rules and then have their vote basically tossed by counting those who haven't followed the rules. So I think part of the problem with the the, the conveying the message is you've got a lot of messages going on. And I've been focusing on only the electors clause, not the equal protection, not the due process, not even the, you know, not the fraudulent ballot. So you've got that. And then the other part is you're, you're fighting the mainstream media. And the corporate media who doesn't want to have this serious discussion. And it's really not just that, because I'm seeing this, we're seeing kind of what we saw in 2016 with Trump. He's just, he's such a divisive figure that on the right, you've got the infighting going again. Mm -hmm. Everybody had kind of called a truce, but now you have, not the never Trumpers, they were, you know, that stuck with it. Mm -hmm. They were always fighting. But now you have those who are saying, you know, call it quits. There's nothing here. And I have not been able to find someone to actually discuss this with me yeah. who, who takes it seriously. They're right. they're really just saying this is ridiculous. Right. This is a horrible case. I'm like, well, tell me why. Yes. Look at what Rankwood said and tell me why. Yeah. And it's it's hard to have that discussion because a lot of times while I'm saying tell me why, I'll have 20 people on Trump's side thrown in. You know, the tinfoil well <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yep, focus yep, on yep. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yes. And then we can discuss it. So I'm not kind of pointing fingers just at people on the right saying, oh, he's being ridiculous. But I'm also saying you need to focus on the big issue. I'm also concerned with fraud. I actually want to know if there's something wrong with the voting machines. Where were people programming and Why did this stuff disappear? To me is a problem with the media. I don't trust anyone. I want to do it all myself because there are so few people I trust, but I can't. And that's horrible for a a democratic republic. You can't run a country where half the country doesn't believe you. You just can't do it. And the media lost all credibility when they pushed the I gave crap in the Russia collusion for four years that's right and it still refused to admit that they spied on Trump.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> you right can't right.
3: say we spy, they spied on Trump. I don't want to hear anything from you.
1: So With all these procedural challenges or, or these challenges to that, you know, saying, Hey, the States weren't following laws. Pennsylvania wasn't following their own voter registration laws. All stuff. how come uh, that's, Losing in the courts, or how come that's not winning? I mean, if, if you can, well, see or even a hearing, that, hey, they didn't follow the process that the legislators put up. It seems like uh, that should be easily, yeah. Judges be like, yeah, that didn't happen. You right. you mentioned you well, mentioned why Wisconsin said that, but that right. didn't, they didn't so. do anything with it.
3: Right. And I want to dig into that more. That's one of the things that literally just came down today. And I have a a former colleague, uh, someone I clerked with uh, on the Seventh Circuit, who was physically on the ground in Wisconsin. So I sent a note saying, hey, what's going on here? Is this, was this going to change anything? And basically the answer is, oh yeah, they said basically 200,000 votes are probably thrown out or at risk, but they didn't give a remedy. So you know, what good is that? Mm. And At this point, I honestly don't know how you solve it because we have a populace that is divided. The courts do not want to get involved because of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I honestly don't know how you do it now, but going forward, I wish to God that we would have citizens standing up and saying, I'm running for secretary of state on one platform only. I'm going to make sure voting in this state is verifiable secure and that we are not going to pull this ever again hmm. and if i wasn't having so much fun homeschooling <laughs> with my son i'd be running in michigan because this is absolutely ridiculous that our country is coming off as a banana republic
2: wow Ooh. I know you have a question, Knox. No, I wanna... go ahead.
3: I, I'm processing.
2: My, still. Quest, my question was so good. At it, you know, like, I no, I no. She's so, great. so one of the th- there's a there was an article I came across over the weekend by Andrew McCarthy at National <laughs> Review, um, where he he argued he, he he cited a Wisconsin case in which um, the he said basically um, the Trump's lawyers were called in and said do you do you have evidence um, for your for this suit, and they said basically no. They agreed. Basically, to the terms and and, and sort of backed off okay. is his claim, and and then he says, and this is not the first time, and he cites a couple other cases in Michigan and and Pennsylvania where he says something similar happened, and I I, I just I posted online because I was just curious, I was like I mean, why is this happening? What does this mean? And so, and uh, and w- well, one answer I got back um, from a friend this morning, and sure. I just wanted to see if this it, at least lines up with what you're thinking, but a f- one friend this morning told me actually. Um, the Trump team is trying to keep um, these categories fairly distinct between sort of material fraud, uh, you know, ballot fraud, electronic fraud, maybe in, in machines, and then electoral process um, yes. suits. And so he said that he thought what, what McCarthy was citing was actually um, the Trump team is declining to give this, these other categories of fraud as evidence for the process or the procedural. Um, claims kind of like with in, in order to try Arguing. to keep those categories yeah. clean. Does does that yes. does that sound right to you? That
3: that does sound right, and I would have to see what the case was. Sure. But I, um, one of his colleagues um, over at National Review, who and I know there's a lot of infighting on the right, but I love those guys over there. Uh, they pres- push back, which I appreciate, and yeah. I and Andy and I have never had problems with each other. I disagree with him. On this situation. But I do think in other cases, at least, people are confusing the fraud. And what you're calling this procedural, I'm calling the electoral, you know, the electors clause. Yes. problem. Right. And it is two distinct ones. And when, and when Trump comes in and says, No, we will stipulate that there was no fraud. So what that has nothing to do with the electoral claim. Right, And that's what Wisconsin was looking at. Yeah. Now, it doesn't reflect well if you're going to throw all this stuff out there and say fraud and not back it up when it co- you know, when push right. comes to shove. But it doesn't deflect from the seriousness of the other claims and the ones that I'm most concerned about, which are the violation of the Electors Clause that says the legislative body does it, yeah. not the Secretary of State, not the local election official, not the you know the union guy behind the local e- election official, mm-hmm. but the state legislative body. So I think that's a valid point. I haven't had a chance to see that uh, that um, that case yeah. or what they're citing. But I I think there's a valid point in saying you don't throw claims of fraud out and then when it's time to prove them, just kind of back off. But that, I think, overreads what a lot of these lawsuits are based on.
2: But it would make sense to you that if if this is the electoral clause sort of suit, that it wouldn't make sense to bring in other uh, allegations of fraud as evidence for that.
3: Right. Although if they brought a due process claim, it might make sense. So that's what the the Texas case did. So the Texas case that, against Pennsylvania and the other states. Right. They actually also argued there was a due process violation and they put a lot of details in there about fraud. Huh. And it was to show that you need to have these rules fi- followed yeah. so that you don't have fraud. Right. And that they was trying to show why it's so important that you do that. So absolutely makes sense to say we're stipulating there was no fraud. If you're trying to pursue another argument. Absolutely.
2: That's interesting.
0: Okay. So we've been talking about the issue. It's so quiet over there. That's because I'm processing, man. It's a lot. (laughs) for me. I read the article. My head's still hurting. I'm going to have to go back and watch this show again. Um, So could you help me work through something? We had Mike Peruca on just this past week and you know, when we got done with that show, one thing that was kind of becoming evident, I think, to everybody is that we're having our systems erode in such a way that they don't function properly anymore. Yes. Uh, our institutions and the government. What do you think the precedent is being set by the Supreme Court not actually taking up this case?
3: You know, that's hard. Uh, I think that if the Supreme Court ends up taking another case, so maybe from P- Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, and issues a solid decision, it really won't be an issue. If the not weigh in on what I see as a very serious electoral college issue, elect- electoral clause issue, I think that it's going to have more disregard about the government, that we really have become this kind of banana republic that nobody cares about the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So I-, I think we still have a chance that the Supreme Court will give us more guidance. And it might address those issues. And like I said, I'm not presupposing I'm right and and they're wrong. I just want to know what their rationale is so I can analyze it and say, I don't think this is right and this is why. Um, And I think that the Americans want that. I know that a lot of non-lawyers on Twitter are talking and their, their comments are the Supreme Court doesn't care about the Constitution. They punt it. They, you know, they don't look at it from a prudential matter of it's not good for the country to see us as deciding this. They don't look at it as how difficult these issues are. I think that they look at it and say, oh, here's the constitution. That's what it means. And I can tell you that standing has a lot of components to it, Mm -hmm. rendering decisions and what the remedy is. I actually had said, I see them taking it and giving a different remedy. I think they say is the remedy is, the remedies up to the state legislatures to do. I could have seen that as kind of a way to yeah. look at federalism and separation of yeah. powers. All these fundamental constitutional principles are hard, mm. but the public just sees no. And they see it in the context of the media yeah, and they see it in the context of the politicians. So it, the institution might be right. But because of all these other components that make America function, specifically the press, mm-hmm. you are having problems with Americans seeing it as legitimate.
1: Wow! Mm. With the Electoral College happening um, today, uh, yeah, what are things, right now? <laughs> yeah, what's the <laughs> remedies moving forward if, if um, you know, after things get I don't know finalized today?
3: I have no idea. <laughs> that's, I I, that's what I was going to ask too. I, Is it going to matter I, I with the Supreme like,
0: Court? You know?
3: Yeah. I mean, it, we've also have the Supreme Court, but we also have where you it know, goes to, to Congress. And the, I'm kind of reading as I go. I, I didn't see an issue on a lot of this until I reread Bush v. Gore. And mm. then I reread the cases that Bush v. Gore relied on. And that's where I was like, oh, my gosh, this isn't just – Throwing stuff against the wall. This is a serious issue. So I haven't delved into what happened in the election of eighteen. You know, whatever. Right. You know, I'll relearn it when I have to teach it to my son. I don't yeah. know. I don't remember <laughs>
2: what it was now. Yeah.
3: But um, there's still. It's not over. And when I say it's not over, I honestly don't think anything's going to change as to who gets inaugurated. But I think that there's a lot of things that have to happen before that time happens. And a lot of things for our country. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see things changing, but I want to see the process that the founding fathers in their wisdom put together play out.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's really helpful. That's, this, this has been very helpful. <laughs> My conversation. Extremely helpful. I
0: Margo, we would like to have you back on again. I would. I, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but I'd love to <laughs> you have so you. You can ask more questions. I, I got, uh, after I watch this, I'm going to have a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. Margo Cleveland, you can find her at thefederalist.com. I suggest reading her articles. They're very helpful. Uh, Margo, thank you for joining us on Cross Politics. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. If you have kids, go baptize them until next week. Actually, until Wednesday. Love Wednesday. God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight laugh and feast. This is Cross Politics.